Can you hear me? All right. Well, good morning, everyone. We have made it this far in the service, and you are still, if you are still with us, we thank you for your support, and we are glad that you are able to join us here this morning. Um, as, I, as I clean things up up here, I do want to ask you a few questions. Have you ever been through a time in your life where you were facing a wave of uncertainty? Have you ever felt or been through a time in your life where you just did not have any control over the circumstances that, that affect you in your day-to-day -day life? Have you ever been afraid of finding yourself in a situation where no matter how often you plan, no matter how hard you focus on the details, you're still afraid that you will find yourself in a helpless situation with no one to turn to and nowhere to look. What's ironic about answering these questions is you don't have to think too hard and you don't have to think too far back to answer these questions. Many of us right now are living in a time of uncertainty where there is so much information being thrown around. And unless you are hiding under a rock or unless you were backpacking in the wilderness of New Zealand, as this uh, couple found out, they were, I just read this past week, they were, in a, they were doing a backpacking trip and they were cut off from the grid, and when they entered civilization, they came back to a whole new world. Unless you have found yourself in a situation like that, many of you are probably aware of what's going on in society today. I'm not interested in rehashing what is going on. I'm not interested in um, breaking down everything that you have been reading on the news or seeing on TV or identifying as you scroll through your Facebook feeds. But what I do want to focus on this morning is how should we as Christians, with our unique worldview and context, carry ourselves in times like these? How should we as Christians, knowing that we serve a God, handle ourselves as best as we possibly can. We're still human. In times of uncertainty and anxiety, when factors beyond our control will greatly affect us uh, at some point in time, where can we find the answers to these questions? Luckily, the Bible has multiple places that provide different answers to that question. And we'll actually take a look at one of those answers in the Bible this morning. But before we do, I want to invite us to have another word of prayer. Father in heaven, as we, as we break your, open your word this morning, we ask that you will forgive us of our sins and that you will send the Holy Spirit to be with us, that we will be able to understand what you have to share for us in this time and in this place. We thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Last time I was up on this platform delivering a message to you, I shared an experience with you. An experience of what it was like to climb a mountain. And I, I noticed from some of the chatter I had with people afterwards that uh, many people decided after hearing that message that they would avoid uh, high elevations. But 
I'm going to take a more relatable approach this morning. I still love mountains, I still love hills and elevation gains, but instead of talking about it from the perspective of being on the mountain, I want to talk about it this morning from the perspective of viewing the mountain or mountains or hills from afar. Hopefully that's something more of us can relate to. But as I mentioned, I love mountains. I don't have to be on one to, to stop and just take a look. And growing up on the West Coast, growing up in Oregon, you didn't have to drive very far to see these snow-capped bastions of rock rise up from the surface and pierce the horizon with their raw beauty. And on a clear day, you wouldn't even have to leave your house to see these mountains from afar. I actually had a, asked a couple of friends of mine to send a picture of what their neighborhood looks like. They're in Colorado right now, and, and my friend sent me this picture. And I look at this picture, and, and this is a dream right here, a dream that one day I'll be able to wake up, look out the window, and see the horizon peppered with rolling hills or mountains. There is just something calming and soothing about seeing them off in the distance because we are talking about these huge rock faces that are significantly larger than us that from far away seem like they're really nice to look at, but as you get closer and closer, they become larger and larger. And at least for me, it changes my frame of reference. Whether I'm on a mountain, whether I'm looking at a mountain in real life, whether I'm looking at pictures of mountains, or even if I'm driving down an interstate and I see a mountain appear through the clouds right before me, every single time I view a mountain or I view a series of rolling hills, I always stop for a split second and I'm reminded that these mountains are larger than me. And then my direction and mindset point upward as I remember um, how, how many times we see mountains in the Bible. And it provides a sense of calm and a sense of peace for me because when I look at the mountains, I'm reminded of just how big this world is. And then I, by extension, I'm also reminded of how big our God is. And I can imagine when David sat down to write this psalm, he was probably going through something similar. In Psalms 121, I want to invite you to turn your Bibles there with me. We're actually going to be spending most of our time actually all of our time in Psalms 121 this morning. But as you're turning there, I want to share with you some of the background discussion that's surrounded, that surrounds the um, writing of this psalm. There is no general consensus as to when David wrote this psalm. There's a group of people that believe that when David wrote this psalm, he was in the middle of running away from King Saul, his father-in-law, through the wilderness, um, trying to live to fight another day. But others believe that because there is no mention of imminent danger in Psalms 121, David wrote this during a time of peace, perhaps when he was king, and for the most part, his earlier childhood had settled down. Regardless of when David wrote this, there are two conclusions we can draw uh, for this psalm in particular. The first is that this psalm is geared towards a traveler or someone that is about to embark on a journey someone that is about to embark into the unknown, to venture into new territory. This psalm is for them. Whether it's a physical journey or a spiritual or emotional journey, this psalm is geared towards people in that context. 
the other thing we, the other conclusion we can draw is, as a poet, poets are often influenced by their life experiences. So whether David wrote this psalm while he was in the middle of the wilderness, setting up camp for the night, or when he was in the comfort of his throne later on in life, during his time when he was running away from King Saul, his father-in-law, we know that that experience definitely at some point and in some capacity influenced his writings. And we can see some of that here. So let's begin by diving into this psalm and let's go ahead and start in verse 1. Psalms 121 and verse 1, I will be reading from the New King James if you want to follow along with me. Psalms 121 and verse 1, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. The psalm begins with a question. It begins with a physical action. I can imagine when, when David is thinking about writing this psalm, perhaps he is thinking back to that one night when he was in the wilderness. He had just marched with his men a long day. Probably he was on the move for about 16 hours that day, trying to stay one step ahead of King Saul. And through the through the journeys and through the wanderings in the wilderness that took him from caves to valleys to mountaintops, oftentimes into enemy territory, David lived his life during his formative years on a day-to-day -day basis. While many of us young adults may be preparing to enter or leave college and settle down and make our life a little bit more stable, David's life was anything but stable. He lived on a day-to-day -day basis not knowing exactly what the next day would bring him. But I can just imagine on this particular evening, after he has set up camp, after he has situated his men and made sure that they were all taken care of, after everyone has been able to eat from whatever they've been able to forage or whatever they've carried with them, I'm sure that David walked to a large piece of rock and he noticed a smooth face at a slight decline and he thought, oh, this will be a good place to just rest for a bit. And as he groans, as he sits down, taking a deep breath for the very first time that day, he's able to relax. And for a split second, time seems to stop. And he's able to take a deep breath, and his thoughts are able to catch up with him. He probably realizes for the first time that he's been so busy all day that he forgot breakfast and lunch. But as he sits back and leans against this rock, probably with a glass of ice-cold water in his hand, he's probably thinking back to the events of the previous day. And I can just imagine David, the poet, sitting down and letting the thoughts run through his head. He looks up at the horizon, and he sees the horizon peppered with, with peaks. He sees the rolling hills in the distance. And as he takes a few more deep breaths because he is enjoying this moment of relaxation, he looks up and he sees the vibrant colors of purple and orange dance through the sky as the sun sets behind the hills. And as he enjoys the beauty of the moment and realizes that uh, there's nothing more he can do for the night, he's done everything that he could, he continues looking at the sky and the vibrant colors give way to a piercing darkness. But then, little by little, we see stars pop up in the night sky first by the tens, then by the thousands, and then by the millions. David probably is able to see the Milky Way because there is no light pollution in that area at that time. 
But as he gazes off into the distance, he lifts up his eyes to the hills, and his thoughts draw upward. Where does my help come from? He answers that question immediately. In verse 2, he says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. As he sits back and thinks about this moment in time, he lifts up his eyes to the hills and realizes that where his help comes from is from the Lord. And as he is looking at the mountains, as he is looking at the sky, as he is probably looking at the stars and the moon, he realizes that everything that is in his field of vision was created by a God that is much bigger and more powerful than he is. You know, when David asked this question, where does my help come from? He could have had a very succinct answer. Question, where does my help come from? Answer, God. And that would have been it. Need David say any more? But David draws attention to the fact that it is not only God that is the source of his help, it is a God that has so much power and he has so much sovereignty that he created the heavens and the earth. In other words, his help does not come from a deity with a name. His help comes from a deity with a name and, by extension, power. David realizes that the source of his help is a powerful source. It comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. There are a couple of things we can identify in these first couple of verses right here. The first is David's... David's thoughts and attention draws upward when he looks up. Have you ever been in a busy place? I hope you haven't been in a busy place recently, but I want you to think back to the times when you have been waiting for a table at a restaurant. Or maybe you were walking down a busy aisle at the mall. Or maybe you were just walking to and fro the aisles of your work. One thing that we've noticed as a society today is that more and more of us are spending time looking at our phones. And this is not something that is just limited to a, the younger generation. It pretty much affects anyone that has a phone that can do much more than call or text. But society at large today, depending on who you are and where you look, you'll see people that are walking around and they are just always, always on their phones. And they do this for extended periods of time. And whether they are walking or whether they are biking, yes, I've seen people on their phones while they are biking. I'm going to save that for a future message because I want the tone of this one to be more positive. But regardless of what context you are in, whether you are sitting, standing, running, biking, walking, many of us are wrapped up in our phones. And if we limited ourselves a little bit more, it wouldn't be an issue. But there is a problem when you are looking down for extended periods of time. You see, friends, your body was designed to maintain a certain posture that is optimal for all the parts of your body, specifically for your spine. Your spine can support your head, which weighs on average about 10 to 12 pounds. And your spine is at its strongest, and it is working the most efficiently when your head is sitting directly above your spine. So when you maintain good posture, your spine is OK. It's going to be fine. But as you lean forward, as the number of degrees increase as you lean forward, what should be a 10 to 12 pound weight feels like 27 pounds, or 49 pounds, or even up to 60 pounds, the further down you lean. And the more time you look down, the more your spine has to work to compensate for a shift in that center of gravity. 
Back pain is something that is becoming more prevalent in our society today, and it is not limited to those among us who are older. It is affecting people at alarmingly younger ages. But in this passage, we see that David's eyes are drawn upward when he lifts up his eyes. When David changes his posture, not only does his physical appearance change, but his mental and spiritual context changes as well. You know, what's interesting is that this, this concept of looking up is, is peppered throughout the Bible. From the days of the Exodus when the Israelites were at camp, they always saw the power of God on top of Mount Sinai when they were camped in that vicinity. In fact, a more, more explicit example, in 2 Kings chapter 6, we read that Elisha and his servant were surrounded by the Aramite army in the city of Dothan. And Elisha is calm, and he is, he is maintaining a level-headed mindset, but his servant is worried, and his, his servant says, My Lord, my Lord, what shall we do? And Elisha says, No need to worry. And then in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes. And the verse goes on to say, Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and the servant looked at the hills and saw the horses and chariots of fire encircling the city. Friends, our help can be found in the hills. Our, our help can be found when we look up because it changes our view. It changes our field of vision. I want you to do a quick exercise with me wherever you are right now. I want you to look down right now. And I want you, in about three or four seconds, identify how many things you can see in your field of vision when you are looking down right now. Okay, you got it? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift your head, and I want you to maintain an upright posture, whether you are standing or sitting. And now I want you to make a mental note of how many things you can see when you are upright. Unless your nose is up against a wall, I would guarantee that uh, wherever you are right now, you can see far more things in your field of vision when you are looking upright than when you are looking down. I can imagine that whether you are sitting, whether you are in a small room, or whether you are in the outdoors, anytime you look up, you are able to paint a bigger picture with your eyes and with your mind as your field of vision expands from just what is beneath you to what is also around you and off to the sides. And there's definitely something to be said about changing your posture in times of difficulty. As humans, we are all affected by the circumstances and problems that immediately affect us. And for good reason, too. If I'm looking down at the context of my life, it seems like problem one over here and problem two and problem three, they're all closing in on me and it feels claustrophobic and it feels like there is no way out. In my field of vision right now, the problems that are the nearest to me are affecting me the most and it seems like I have no way of escape. That's what I see in my field of vision when I am looking down. But when I lift my head, when I change my posture, what seemed to surround me and encapsulate me in an ever-closing bubble now only maintains a small portion of my field of vision. When I change my, my field of vision looking down to looking up, whether it's in a physical or spiritual or mental context, I learn, at least in the spiritual realm, 
that the problems that seem to be closing in on me and affecting me are much smaller because in the rest of my field of vision, I see a God that inhabits a much larger space and is able to deliver me because he is, he is not only God, but he is the creator of heaven and earth. So within this psalm, as we, di as we dive deeper into this psalm, there is definitely something to be said. If you find yourself in a situation where you are anxious or you are uncertain and you're not sure where to look or where to turn, it may be as simple sometimes as lifting your eyes. It may be something as simple as, as looking up, changing your posture. And this is not necessarily going to be a silver bullet in each circumstance that you may need to do this. For sometimes, in some situations, doing this once may be sufficient. At other times, you're going to have to intentionally tell yourself to keep looking up. But friends, no matter what situation or what circumstance you are in, change your perspective, as David did. Lift up your eyes to the hills, because when you look up at the hills, you will find your refuge, whether it is God living at the top of Mount Sinai, or whether he has sent his army to protect you when you are surrounded by everything else. And there is something else to be said about looking up. The turning point of the great controversy happened outside of a large city where Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was crucified. And it is only by lifting Jesus up and when we look to him that all men will be drawn to him. Lift up your eyes to the hills, because there you will see your help. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. What does this help look like? Well, the, the song goes on. And in verse 3, it describes, He will not allow your foot to be moved. When you're in an area such as flat Michigan, I should specify the lower peninsula, when you're walking on flat ground and it's level, your chances of tripping and falling are significantly smaller. But when you're living in a mountainous region such as Canaan, you will learn very quickly that having solid footing is the difference between going home with no issues or going home injury, with injuries. In some extreme cases, Solid footing could mean the difference between life or death. And so walking through the, the region of Canaan, no, no matter where you looked, there was always some elevation going up or going down, and having solid footing was important for anyone making their journey. For those of you that have hiked through the Grand Canyon, you are probably reminded of how narrow some of those trails are leading down to the depths of the canyon. There are some parts of that trail that I hear are so narrow that you have to be absolutely careful going down so that you don't slip and fall because there are no guardrails on some of these trails. And on one end you have the rock face that's, you know, protecting you on one side, but a few steps over you have a oftentimes deep fall and you have to be careful when you're going up or going down. And it gets a little bit more precarious when you have two-way traffic going up and down a narrow stretch of that trail. Because you don't want to step too far out to the outside that you fall. You want to make sure that with each step you take, you have solid footing. And when we read the text here, and the Bible says that God, the source of your help, who, the one who made heaven and earth, will not allow your foot to be moved, we see a promise that God is there to watch you and your feet to keep you from stumbling, to keep you from falling. As you lift your eyes upward, know that as you continue through the journey we call life, 
as you journey through the mysteries that lay ahead of you, know that God is watching out for your feet and he has taken care of you. The verse goes on and it says, He who keeps you will not slumber. Verse 4, Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. As Sitar and I prepare to become parents in September, one of the things we're learning is that apparently the word on the street is that brand new parents go through a time in their lives where they do not get any sleep. If you're lucky, you may get a little bit of sleep. But for the most part, if you're a new parent, you know, good luck. You might as well kiss that sleep goodbye. Kiss that beautiful beauty sleep goodbye. But apparently there is a reason for this, and I have to be careful how I phrase what I've learned because I have zero experience whatsoever. But uh, apparently you lose sleep because you never know when the baby is going to need assistance. That could happen during the daylight hours when the sun is shining, or it could happen at night. But there is a time of unpredictability where you never know where or when the baby is going to need help and what exactly the baby will need help with. So for a time, as parents, you sacrifice your sleep so that you can attend to the needs of the baby. And even though it's a sacrifice on the parent's part, it's done for the sake of being able to take care of the baby who is unable to take care of itself. When I read verse 3, the second part in verse 4, He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. That is telling us very explicitly that God does not sleep. God is always available no matter what time zone you are in, no matter what part of your life that you are going through, whether it's during the day when you are busy, wrapped up with your work and the stress and the burden that is bearing down on you increases to the times when it's late at night and you're not able to fall asleep. God is available. Heaven does not shut down. Heaven does not have office hours. God does not slumber or sleep. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. There was one night this past week where I was not able to sleep late at night, so I was on my phone. I was laying down, so uh, I didn't have to worry about the posture too much. But um, I saw someone had reacted to, to one of my posts on a social media platform. So I clicked on the notification. I saw that this person was available. So I struck up a conversation with that person because I saw that this person was available. And we had a good conversation in the wee hours of the night. But you know, I would have not tried to have that conversation if I did not see that indicator next to that person's name that indicated that this person was available. But when I saw that green dot next to that person's name, I knew that this person was available. And so I, I struck up a conversation and we were able to have a great conversation. If that dot that had not been green, which stands for available, but if that dot had been red or if it had been gray, then I would have not even bothered to try and reach out to this person just to talk. But because I saw that this person was available, I was able to have a conversation. And it didn't, it didn't matter that it was nighttime and it was a time when you should have been asleep. The fact that this person was available was all I needed to strike up a conversation. When I read this text, Behold, he who keeps you will not slumber or sleep. 
this is what I think of when I, when, when I read this passage. I think of logging onto my spiritual social media platform, and in my friends list, I see Jesus Christ, and, and next to his profile picture, I see a green dot that indicates he is available and he is active now. And friends, I'm here to tell you that that green dot is never going to change. As long as we are walking this earth, God is always available for you through the thick and thin, through the ups and downs of life. Jesus is always available. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. So we've learned that our help comes from the Lord. We know that the help that comes from the Lord is a powerful help. We've learned that God is always available. Help is always available 24-7. No matter what part of the world you are in, no matter what time of day or night, God is always available. But the psalm goes on. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Pay attention, folks. You, you might notice a pattern emerge through this psalm, but you'll notice that the word keep is repeated throughout this psalm. There is definitely such an intimacy here where God is very much interested in being actively involved in our lives and in the journey that we take called life. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. As a left-handed person myself, I, I got a little bit miffed when I read this text at first. Why would God only be concerned about protecting your right hand, your right side? What about lefties like me? I mean, after all, God, you're the one that created the left side. Why would you not bother to offer protection? But then as I dug a little bit more into the text, I, I learned that David was a soldier. David was a man of war. And soldiers back then, they carried some equipment. They carried some armor. And one of the things that they carried, or a couple of the things that they carried in their hand, and I'm improvising right here, um, is that soldiers back then would oftentimes carry a shield in their left hand, their defensive weapon, and then they would carry a spear or a sword in their right hand, their offensive weapon. Now, just looking at me in my, in my silly um, paraphernalia here or equipment, you can tell based on what the text says and what I'm holding in my hand why God is your shade at your right hand. Because my left side is covered. My left side is defended. And back then, most people, their dominant hand was their right hand. So you would want to put the offensive weapon on the more dominant hand. And then the weaker side, the left-hand side, you would use for protection. But you can see just by looking here, my right side is exposed. And so when this text says, the Lord is your shade at your right hand, what this text is saying is God will protect you and in areas where you are not able or capable of protecting yourself. He's looking out for you, even the sides that you can't take care of. He's not, going to, he's not there to say, hey, I'll, I'm just going to design a different shield that will cover all parts of your body. He's saying, look, I know that there are parts of you that are exposed. I know that there are parts of you that may be vulnerable. And even though you may be fighting with one side, I want you to know that I've got your back. I've got your right side. I am taking care of you. Friends, the protection that God offers us is not just available 24-7. It is available to parts of our lives, to, to, sides of us that, to sides of us that we may not necessarily be able to defend for ourselves. 
The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. It goes on in verse 6. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Earlier we saw that God is the one that made heaven and earth. So when God says that the sun will not harm you or the moon will not harm you, he can back that up because he made those elements. So whether you are journeying through life during the daytime or when you are, whether you are journeying through life during the nighttime, God's protection is available throughout the day. And not only is he available, but he is protecting you from the elements that may affect you, whether it is the brightness of the day or the darkness of the night. So we see physical protection being offered here in verses 5 and 6. And then we get to the conclusion of this psalm. In verse 7, it's not just the physical that God will protect us from, but it says that the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Yes, just as important as physical health is to our lives, so too is our mental and emotional and our spiritual health as well. God is capable of keeping us from evil. He has the power. He has the strength to help us in times of need. He shall preserve your soul. Another word for preserve is keep. So there we see that theme running through this psalm right here. In verse 8, it says that the Lord shall preserve your going out and coming in. So it's not just God protecting you at all hours of the day. It is not just God protecting you at your exposed body parts. It's not just God protecting you during the daytime or the nighttime. God is there to protect you no matter what direction you may be traveling, whether you are going out or coming in. And I hope none of you are doing that physically at this point in time, and if you have no choice but to, you are limiting your going outs and coming ins. But no matter what direction you may be traveling, God is always there and available to help you. Even if you may be going down the wrong path, even if you may be backsliding, or even if you are just going out and coming in through any part of your life, God is always available. He is not just available when you are on the path towards a specific direction. God is not only available on a one-way street, friends. God is available on two-way streets as well. He is available for you no matter what direction you may be taking. And then the verse goes on and it finishes and it says, from this time forth and even forevermore. So we see the injection of a time element into God's protection. Not only is God protecting us directionally, but he is also protecting us for all time, from this time forth and even forevermore. That means God is available to protect you today. That means God is available to protect you tomorrow. That means God is available to protect you for the rest of your days, for even forevermore. Friends, this is a warranty and this is a protection plan that does not expire after 90 days or 12 months. This is a protection plan that is always active. This is a protection plan that is much cheaper and offers more coverage than Apple Care does. This is a protection plan that is available to anyone that seeks it. It's a protection plan that is available 24-7. It covers all directions. It covers any exposed part of you. It is a protection plan that is backed by power. God's protection is available to his people. And whether you are in a situation like David where you are living and trying to live to fight another day, 
To those of you that may be in a more stable situation right now, to those of you that may be in vulnerable situations, or to those of you that may be in common peaceful situations, God's protection plan is always active. And his support staff is always available 24-7. That green dot never changes color. And so in times of uncertainty such as today, in times of uh, concern where we do not know the extent of how things will play out in this world, whether it is this pandemic or the next pandemic or the next crisis, one thing we can put our stock in, one thing where we can put our faith in, one protection plan we can sign up for is the protection plan that God offers for his people, as made evident in Psalms 1, 21. As Grady comes down here, I, I, I think about this psalm, and I was reminded of a song that is loosely based on this psalm. You know, for those of you that may find it difficult to uh, remember and, and re remember and identify all eight verses, one of the beautiful things about songs is they are able to capture meta-themes of the Bible in such a way that is easier to remember. And so as Grady comes up here and gets ready to sing, there is a song that is called He is Ever Over Me. It's a, it's a scripture song that is based on Psalms 121. And what I'd like to do is, in closing, I'd like to have, I'd like to have Grady sing the... I, I want him to sing through the song the first time. I just want you to listen. I just want you to hear. And then I'm going to ask that Grady will sing through the song the second time. But this time I want to invite you wherever you are I want you to join us as we sing this song together. He is ever over me. I'm going to go run upstairs and get the lyrics up. ever over me. I will lift my eyes to the hills and their creator who sleeps and never slumbers he's ever over me as i come and i go i am safe for i know that his care is sufficient for me winter shady place in summer he's ever over me everyone together now
I will lift my eyes to the hills and their creator who made all heaven and earth. For he watches me, never sleeps, no, never slumbers, he As I come and I go, I am safe for I know that His care is sufficient for me. Winter warmth and light, and a shady place in summer, He Let's sing this one more time. I will lift my eyes to the hills and their creator who made all heaven and earth. For he watches me, never sleeps, no, never slumbers, he says. As I come and I go, I am safe for I know that His care is sufficient for me. Winter warmth and light and a shady place in summer, He says. As I come and I go, I am safe for I know that His care is sufficient for me. Winter warmth and light and a shady place in summer, He ever. Friends, whether it is COVID-19 to the next crash or to the roughest trans through the roughest transitions of our lives, always remember that He is ever over you. Father in heaven, we thank you for the promises that you have sprinkled throughout the Bible to encourage us in the good times and the bad. We thank you, Lord, that you were always available. We thank you that you are always there to protect us. We thank you that the help that you offer is powerful. We thank you that you are able to protect us, not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and any other realm and aspect of our lives. We thank you that you are there to protect us no matter what direction we may be traveling. And we thank you that you are there to protect us today, tomorrow, and even forevermore. Help us to 
be reminded of that and when it feels like we are sinking, help us to remember to lift up our eyes to the hills because you are always ever over us. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. God be with you throughout this week. Keep yourself safe. Keep your church family in prayers and everyone that is on the front lines right now. We ask that you will maintain due diligence and stay at home, stay healthy, limit your sugar intake, take hot and cold showers, boost your immune system, exercise, get some sunshine and fresh air, practice social distancing. We don't know how long this will take, but as you church family, we are committed to delivering the gospel to you at least every week as long as we are able to, and we are thankful for what God has given us. Thank you, friends, and we hope that you are in good health, and we hope to have you tune in next week as we continue our online church service. Thank you. Bye.